The key word for today is going to be capitalize. We need to capitalize upon opportunities that come our way. And I cannot think of a better chapter in all of the book of Acts that would illustrate this idea of capitalizing upon opportunities than what you see in Acts 17. Just to give you a little bit of background, uh, Paul's basically been run out of the city last time. And uh, as he enters into Athens, he kind of gets there by himself. Uh, he's, his, his main partners have been left behind. Now, he's shortly going to call for them to get there. But in the interim, while he's kind of being by himself in this big city of Athens, the other than Rome, and in years gone by, Athens would have been the, the center point of the earth. Uh, that would have been the big name. Uh, but now that Rome has come and conquered Greece and all of that, Rome has become the big name. But but Athens certainly is, is no... Uh, city to be dismissed. And as Paul finds himself there, he's wandering around the streets, it would seem, and he's very disturbed at what he sees in this very this city given over to great paganism. Uh, it's interesting that Athens would also claim at this particular point to be given over to great religiosity. Uh, remember that the paganism that they are celebrating in the, in the city of Athens has to do with false gods. I mean, they were everywhere. And uh, the, the uh, altars to these gods were, were just replete ac across the city. And so this is going to lead to the opportunity, there's our word, for Paul to use an altar that catches his attention. No doubt by the, by the Holy Spirit, he was led past this altar. Uh, and uh, and this, this sermon begins to develop in his mind. This opportunity for conversation begins to develop in his mind. The, the altar to the unknown God. Isn't that interesting? A city given over to probably thousands of altars, to all kinds of gods, and yet they say to themselves, we might have missed one. And just in case we did, let's have an altar to the unknown God. Paul walks past that and he says, that's the one that I can help this city come to understand because that's the one that's the only true one. That's the Jehovah God that they need to be serving. And so he sees the opportunity and if you'll go with me now to Acts chapter 17, I want to, I want to show you verse 16. And in verse 16, you're going to, to see the beginning stages of his lonely experience, if you will, which quickly turns into a very public affair. But his lonely experiences in verse 16 lead to that with regards to opportunities. Verse 16, now, while Paul was waiting for them at Athens, his spirit was provoked within him as he saw that the city was full of idols. So the first thing that you see in chapter 17 and verse 16 is that Paul, as he's, it seems, wandering around the city, his spirit is disturbed within him. Not unlike what you and I would feel whenever we watch the news and perhaps as is current event today, uh, we, we see the reports of what Hamas has done to some of the Israeli captives. And we shake our heads and we say, oh, how could it possibly be that anybody who claims to be religious, and certainly Islam does, anybody who claims to be religious could in any way validate that kind of barbaric uh, treatment of other individuals. And so we shake our heads and our spirit is moved within us. And we're, we're concerned and we're upset and we're angry and all of those holy feelings come down upon us because of these individuals who are misrepresenting religion. Well, Paul finds himself in that same situation. He's going to go into a city that is given over to religion and yet completely void of the worship of the one true God, which is a, probably an application of itself that we can make. And that is that we've got to be very careful. 
Our own movement can become full of religious activity, divorced from the true experience of relationship with God. We can have so many traditions and so many elements of religiosity that we gather to ourselves that we can actually miss the purpose altogether. And we, we really need to be careful not to become like the city of Athens. But my first point with regards to this idea of capitalize is that I want you to notice that he's going to take time to observe. It's something that I don't do as much as I need to. I love to watch people, but generally my pace is too fast and I, I don't spend as much time here as I need to. But occasionally mom will take me to the doctor's office or whatever, and I'm waiting on dad or I'm waiting on mom or I'm waiting on Cindy to get done with grocery shopping, whatever it may be. And I have the opportunity to observe. People are funny people. Uh, people can be, uh, can be hilarious. People can be tragic. Uh, I've sat in a Walmart parking lot and watched individuals literally take their garbage bag that they have put all their stuff in for the last week or so, and I've watched them dump it out the window right on the parking lot, thinking to myself, what kind of parenting did you have? How could you ever come to a point where you felt like somebody else was responsible for cleaning up your trash? People can be tragic. I've seen some sweet moments where a little boy would slip his hand into the hand of his mama as they were approaching the front door. And I thought, how, how sweet is that? People are unique. I like to watch people. Paul, I think, found himself in that kind of a situation. He's, he's going about the city of Athens and he is looking and wondering and considering and being stirred within his own spirit as he recognizes a people who came from Adam. I think sometimes we divorce some folks out as if they are not really part of the human process because they're, they're so pagan or they're, or they're so... But remember, every person that was in Athens worshiping all of these foreign gods, they had their start in Adam and Eve. They're all humans. They all began way back there where God placed his image within mankind. And Paul is stirred up about this. How could we as a people fall so far from the living God that we begin putting up altars to all kinds of ridiculous things and completely avoid the one God who brought all of these other things to bear. And his, his spirit is stirred within him. Application for you and I with regards to conversational Christianity would be we need to be more observant. I need to be more observant. Perhaps you do as well. Looking for the things around about you that God opens up as opportunities for you to use on his behalf. I've preached this before, but I really think that the word lucky is probably one of the, it's almost a curse word if you think about it. Because when you refer to luck in that process, you de deny the words of James that every good and perfect gift comes down from the father of lights, from, from God himself. When you give credit to luck, you take credit away from God. We, we need to be really careful that we, we watch ourselves with regards to how we make sure God gets the credit. Conversations wherever they happen to be in your life and uh, something good has come your way. And boy, I, 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 I was lucky to whatever. I was lucky my tire didn't go flat when I was out on the open highway, but it went flat when it was in my driveway at the house. And I was lucky that I... No, you weren't. You were blessed by God. And in our conversations with other individuals, we need to be careful that we are observant of the setting so that we can make sure God gets the glory. 
The sun is shining. You're not lucky that the sun is shining today. You're not fortunate that the sun is shining today. It's not just a good weather forecast. That's God giving us rays from heaven. And we need to be thankful and make sure that we point though all of those blessings back to him. So Paul, as he wanders about Athens, he becomes observant. He wants to see the conditions, the context. And in that process, he's also, I think, either consciously or subconsciously, he is looking for a way to make sure that he can point these people to God, which he's going to find. Uh, obviously, you know the rest of the story, but continue reading with me now, verse 17. In verse 17, we see that he, he reasoned in the synagogue with the Jews and the devout persons and the marketplace every day with those who happened to be there. Some of the Epicureans and Stoic philosophers also conversed with him, and they said, what does this babbler wish to say? Others said, he seems to be a preacher of foreign dignitaries. Because uh, he was preaching Jesus and the resurrection. And they took him and they brought him to the Areopagus. As you see this part of the passage unfold, you find that he's not just observant, but we're going to find that he is going to seek out an audience within the group that he is observing. Go back and notice that there's, there's several people that are listed here. He's going to reason in the synagogues with the Jews. And so he's going to start where he always starts, it seems. Now, he's, he's shortly, he, he tends to get kicked out of those settings. But he's got common ground with the Jew because the Jew does worship the one true God. And so he starts there. But it's not just there. He's going to reason with folks in the synagogue. And he's going to reason with devout persons, whoever those happen to be. He's also going to reason in the marketplace, which is interesting. I've got a good friend, in fact, he's probably watching from Uganda, who this very day is part of a public preaching effort. They've had two baptisms so far. He goes off into public settings and they preach the gospel and leads individuals in that Ugandan setting, leads individuals to Christ. I got to be honest with you, some of that kind of, a, of an approach doesn't work really well in our culture because it's been abused so badly. But evidently it does in Uganda, and he's using that to God's glory. And, and God be praised for you, Bishop. I'm so thankful for, for the work that you're doing. But Paul is going to, he's going to seek out an audience. In the process of seeking out an audience, notice he's going to cross paths with these guys called the Epicureans and the Stoic philosophers. That's of God. Paul has done his part. He's been observant. He's been seeking out an audience, and God says, okay, let's take this to the next level. And so these Epicureans and Stoic philosophers are going to invite him into a very public scenario where he is going to actually get to address the Areopagus, at the Areopagus. This is going to be a moment where he's actually going to be addressing some of the great minds of Athens. What a great opportunity Paul is going to be able to take advantage of. I think I told you this, but just a month and a half ago, whatever, maybe two months ago, Gabriel was actually in Athens. And while visiting Mars Hill, he opened up and he read from Acts chapter 17, which by the way, his favorite verses in Acts in the Bible are Acts 17, 26 and 27. And as he is presenting, he's presenting this particular uh, reading and no doubt very inspirational in, in their hearing of this particular reading. In this context, Paul has been elevated to a place where he now can address individuals who perhaps he would have never found at the marketplace or certainly in the Jewish synagogue. 
But now he's going to address some very, very pagan sinners who think they're on the right path to worshiping all these various deities. Think of the opportunities there. The, the second, uh, second application I would give to you is don't just be observant, but while you're observing, seek an audience. Look for an audience. Now I'm going to turn this upside down and make kind of a negative out of it because I, I want you to see the realism of this process. Mom was having nine teeth extracted this past week, and so I had to spend a little time in the waiting room. And while I was spending the time in the waiting room, there was a guy who was sitting across the way who I really wanted to strike up a conversation with. And I tried. And it just didn't go anywhere. There was nothing in common. He didn't seem to be interested. There just was nothing there. And I was discouraged. And I felt, you know, maybe I'm not doing everything that I'm supposed to do. So I tried harder and I prayed, God, open the door. But at the end of the process, I need you to know that I never got to speak to the guy about the Lord. I wanted to. I prayed about it. But it never materialized. And as I was leaving, I was thinking about this from two different angles. Number one, Sonny, you ought to be better at this. You should have been able to not only have a Bible study with that guy, but you should have been able to baptize that individual. What in the world's wrong with you, Sonny Childs? And I beat myself up. Until I considered number two. Remember what I've said over the last several weeks with regards to beating the door down? With regards to opportunities? There are some doors that God just doesn't open. And you and I need to be careful not to try to kick them down. And part of the kicking them down process can be beating yourself up because the door never came open. Now, let me, be, let me quickly add this. I think sometimes we're very lazy and we use that as an excuse. Oh, that's awkward. I don't want to speak to him. And so God must not be leading me to that door. Nonsense. You need to make an effort. You need to be praying that God will open that door. But sometimes the door just doesn't open. And when it doesn't, that's okay. In this particular case, the door slams open. And he's going to have the opportunity to number three. Notice verse 23. It says that uh, Paul, standing in the midst of the Areopagus, I'm 22, standing in the midst of the Areopagus, he says, Men of Athens, I perceive that in every way you are very religious. By the way, religion and the true worship of God are not necessarily the same thing. Religiosity is basically our attempt to reach out. Worship that is true and proper is going to be a worship that is fundamentally from God and his instructions as to how that should happen. He says here, I, I see you're, you're, you're pretty religious. Then he says in verse 23, you've all heard this before. For as I passed along and observed the objects of your worship, I found also an altar with this inscription to the unknown God. Now, this is the part you need to see. What therefore you worship as unknown, this I proclaim to you. The big opportunity for Paul as he comes to Athens is this moment, which, by the way, he would have never had in his mind had he not observed as he walked around the city. He would have never had this opportunity had he not sought out an audience as he was walking around the city. But now that he's observed and now that he sought out an audience, number three comes to bear. He gets to capitalize. That's our word. He capitalizes upon the fact that these folks are trying to include even Jehovah God. And they were. Now, in their mind, 
there's Jehovah God, or they're going to discover Jehovah God now, but they would have thought to themselves, there's Jehovah God, there's a God of the earth, there's a God of the sun, there's a God of the lightning, there's a God, you know, all the, in their mind. But they were seeking. They were looking. They did not want to displease any God. And when Paul comes along and he says, well, let me tell you about the one God you are displeasing because these others ain't gods. He capitalizes, there's our key word, he capitalizes upon the opportunity, the moment, to say what needs to be said. I, uh, years ago, was riding an airplane to Dallas, Texas. And uh, a fellow sat down next to me reading a Playboy magazine. Being a preacher's kid, I was a little bit uncomfortable. And I squirmed and I looked out the window and I did everything that I could to glance over there at what he was reading. Finally, he put the thing up and we began to talk. And I told him that I was going to Dallas and I was meeting some friends and I was excited about seeing them, but I never once mentioned to him anything about the Lord. Didn't invite him to church, any of those things. We got off the plane and he went his way, I went my way. And uh, as I was collecting my luggage and my friends were coming and they were there and they were picking me up, they asked about the flight and I told them about the guy reading the Playboy magazine. They said, what well, did you invite him to church? And I shook my head and said, no, it never came up. <laughs> How lame is that? It never came up. Then they, they made the, the outlandish claim that I might be able to still find him in the airport. Now, I don't know if you've ever flown out of Dallas, but it's a pretty good sized airport. Anyhow, we go running through the Dallas International Airport, and sure enough, there he is. I found a guy. And I walk up behind him in a sheepish voice, and I say, Hey, man, uh, I was just wondering, me and my friends, would, would you like to go to church with me Sunday? I just knew, because he was, he was in the military, close haircut, looked good, fine, all that. I just knew I was going to be humiliated. But he turned around and said, Man, I'd love to. He said, I don't have a friend in Dallas. Long story short, he went to, went to church that Sunday. I flew home, and about a month later, I get a phone call. And it was one of my friends who said that that guy had been studying with them during the last month, and that just a few moments ago, they had baptized him into Christ. And I was like that tall. I mean, I was, until I remembered what I had done on the plane, and then I became that tall. The opportunity was there. It was mine for the taking. God set me up. He put me in that seat. He put that guy next to me. But it took my friends to kick me in the rear end and say, why in the world? I guess I want to be that friend. Because I suspect it happens in your life too. I know why I didn't talk to him. I mean, he's good looking. He's reading a Playboy magazine. He's a man of the world. I was this scrawny little, and I'm thinking, I don't even compare. And I missed the opportunity. I did not, here's our word, I did not capitalize until my friend said, hey, what in the world? So I'm saying it, hey, what in the world? I want to end in this way. Acts 17, 26 and 27, my son's favorite passage in scripture. Paul is going to say to these folks, he made from one man every nation. That's Adam. You guys are related to Adam, he says to these folks. 
He says, having determined a allotted period and boundaries of the dwelling places, then verse 27. And he did this. It says, he did this that they should seek God in hope that they might feel their way toward him and find him. Paul, as he stands before them, he calls out to the lost pagans of Athens and he says to them, you, you need to capitalize on the opportunity you have right now. Because God made you. The God I'm talking about, he made you. And he made you for this purpose, to seek him, to reach out to him. So regardless of whether or not you are part of God's family, or you are a part of his family, seeking others to add to his family, this point is the same. we got to capitalize. we got to take advantage of all the advantages that God has given to us.